This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, A People's History. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, A People's History premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Getting married? Put me on your registry. A nice set of bilverware. I'm Bill (laughs) Curtis, and here is your host, a man who wore his best tailored mask just for this show, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill, and thanks, as always, to our fake audience, which this week is a group of people on Twitter reacting when Bill slices into me to reveal that I am actually a cake. (laughs) We've got a great show for you today because later on we're going to be talking to Maria Konnikova. She's a Ph.D. psychologist who went from not knowing how to play poker to winning 300 grand as a player in just one year. We have a lot of questions for her, like, what do you do if you hit the ace in the flop with your ace-king unsuited from the small blind, but the button re-raises you as if he has the set? Stuff like that. We're willing to bet you can answer our question, so give us a call. The number is one triple eight wait wait. That's one triple eight nine two four eight nine two four. It's time to welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you're on Wait Wait. Don't tell me. Hi, Peter. It's Sam Brooks from Brunswick, Georgia. Hey, Sam. How are things in Brunswick, Georgia? Uh, fine. (laughs) Fine. You know. Maybe you feel self-conscious, but I don't think anybody in this country can do better than a fine at this point. So you're doing great. What do you do there? I manage a small coffee shop. Oh, really? And oh, how's that, boy. How's that? <laughs> I, I hate to ask this, but we've seen so many videos of people being obnoxious in coffee shops about wearing a mask. Have you had a problem like that? Or is everybody polite and nice as they tend to be in the South? Uh, people are, are generally nice. Um, we A lot of our customers wear masks, and we're always really grateful we're, we're masked up and sanitizing things regularly, so we're doing the best we can. I understand. Well, welcome to the show, Sam. Let me introduce you to our panel this week. First up, a comedian and a writer from The Good Place in The Late Late Show with James Corden. It's Demi Adijuibay. Hello. Hi. Next, it's the writer of the syndicated advice column, Ask Amy. She's the author of two memoirs. It's Amy Dickinson. Hey, Sam. Hi. And finally, a comedian you can see doing stand-up on Zoom at the Nowhere Comedy Club on Sunday, July 19th. Tickets are at NowhereComedyClub.com. It's Alonzo Bowden. Hey, Sam. All right, Sam, welcome to the show. You're going to play Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis, of course, is going to read for you three quotations from the week's news. Your job, of course, correctly identify or explain just two of them. Do that, you'll win our prize. Any voice from our show you might choose on your voicemail. Are you ready to play? Yes. All right, Sam, here is your first quote. Science should not stand in the way of this. That was White House Press Secretary (laughs) Keely McEnany saying that science, you know, science should not prevent kids from doing what this fall? Uh, I would guess going to school. Exactly right, going to school. The president is pushing hard for schools to reopen as usual this fall. This is because he says the nation needs a return to normalcy and because he is just desperate to get Don Jr. out of the house and back to kindergarten. Now, nobody, as far as we know, has asked the kids how they feel about it. Maybe they don't mind staying at home. The homeschooled kids aren't the weirdos anymore, and nobody has to feel embarrassed when they call the teacher mom. This will all change, of course, 
when sometime in December parents say, well, kids, I'm afraid it's time for sex ed. (laughs) Well, first of all, I think Kaylee plays along with the White House because she's the only one in the administration who joined too late to get a book deal. Right. Mm. When, she, when she's fired, she's just going to be fired. So she's got to make the best of this. And as far as the schools, I think he knows the parents will play along after homeschooling their kids for two months. I think a lot of parents were like, I just get this kid out of the house. I don't care. Yes. I'll oh, roll the dice. Just send him to school. <laughs> Teachers want more money. Give them more money. Just get the kid out the house. I doubt the kids themselves have any takes on it because it's like when I was eight it's not like do you want to go back to school it's like what's on TV if I'm bored I'll go back to school if not I will sit right here in this spot for the next 40 hours and watch television I have nothing Uh, to do (laughs) I like the difference in generations listening to you Demi when I was eight I wasn't allowed to have an opinion they dared me to have an opinion you're eight years old we'll give you an opinion and you'll be happy to take it with you that's fair Uh, There is some good news, everybody who's worried about this. A Florida law firm, this is totally true, is offering free living wills to teachers who will be forced to go back to school this fall. Remember the four R's, kids. Reading, writing, arithmetic, and do not resuscitate. Oh, God. Trump really wants kids to go back to school. I mean, yes, it's because he wants to reopen the economy and get reelected, but you have to understand his perspective. When he was a kid, he loved everything about school. He doesn't want today's kids to be robbed of the wonderful experience of paying someone else to take your tests. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I just think he thinks it's safe because he's never been in one. He has no idea what goes on in there. And he's like, well, it looks like a safe place. All the other kids came home okay. I, I just I just want someone to ask him at a press conference or whatever, are you comfortable with your son Barron going back to school? And just just to watch him stall while he tries to remember who Barron is. Exactly. <laughs> I think if you asked him what school does Barron attend, he would go, he's in, co- he's in college? College? Yeah. Like- <laughs> All right, Sam, your next quote is from Joe Biden. All bitcoins sent to the address below will be sent back doubled. That also was a quote from Barack Obama or Bill Gates or Elon Musk or Kanye West, all of whose accounts were hacked on what website? Twitter. Twitter, yes. On Wednesday, some of the most prominent people on Twitter made a very generous offer all at the same time. Just send them $1,000 in Bitcoin, and they would send $2,000 back. Or, in the case of Elon Musk, $2,000, a doobie, and some slander. Now, we should have known it was a scam. No way Joe Biden would know what Bitcoin is. Weirdly, Joe Biden was the only person who both had their account hacked and sent in $1,000 to get 2000 back. I'm surprised Joe Biden knows what Twitter is. Yeah. I'm surprised there's anything crazy enough coming out of Kanye's account to be called a hack. That's anything true. Anything that comes out of Kanye's Twitter, you, you have to at least partially believe it. So I have a real question here about yes. Joe Biden. Has he left Delaware at all? Like, he's always doing little events in Delaware are they all from his home or is well, he, he getting uh, out he he has done a lot of events for, uh, virtually from his home but he's also gone out to other places in Delaware well I, there are sightings all over it's like Bigfoot you, no one gets a really good <laughs> clear photo of him but it's like it looks like Joe Biden he's tussling <laughs> someone's hair yeah there's a strange fuzzy figure massaging a woman's shoulders like might have been him we don't know <laughs> all right Sam here is your last quote we were desperate for some fun desperate That was a woman speaking to the New York Times about why she chose to visit what 
theme park that reopened this week? Uh, Disneyland. Not quite. The other one. World? Disney World. Yes, it's important to make the distinction. Disneyland is the one in California, while Disney World is the one that will kill you. So <laughs> Disney World posted this video bragging about all the safety precautions they were taking as they prepared to open up all these smiling employees in masks. At least we think they're smiling. Who the hell knows? They could be mouthing the word, save me. They're cleaning everything. And, they're, and, and Disney World is totally serious about making all visitors wear a mask. For example, this is true. If you're not wearing a mask, you will not be allowed to buy a souvenir photo of yourself on the roller coaster. So that'll get everybody in line. Yeah. Imagine buying a souvenir photo from Splash Mountain and it's like, I don't know how I was feeling that day. Uh, my <laughs> mouth is not, you can't see it on. Yeah. yeah. I was somewhat ambivalent about being splashed on a mountain. I, I don't know how to feel. I think my favorite news story has been NBA players getting caught sneaking out of Disney World. Yes, this is true. You would never, there's something you would never expect to hear. NBA players sneaking out at night, trying to escape that hell that we call Disney World. Now, (laughs) as as, as Alonzo mentions, these guys, the NBA is in what's called the bubble. They're all staying at these Disney Resort hotels and they're going to be playing their games at Disney facilities. But I read, Alonzo, and, and you follow this more closely than I do, that they were sneaking out specifically to go have sex. Absolutely. They were like, there they're, are no groupies in this hotel. We must find them. They're NBA players. And how can they have a lawsuit nine months from now? I mean, this is their normally, this is normally oh, the off God. season. This is their busy time. Are you kidding? <laughs> you guys, you're so cynical. Maybe they're, maybe they're sneaking out to check the, those signs outside the rides to say, if you're this tall, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Amy, they were they were checking rides, and they were tall enough to ride them. Yes, they were. <laughs> That's true, yes. <laughs> Bill, how did Sam do in our quiz? Sam did so well, he may be on the way to Disney World right now. Oh, no. All three right. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks for playing, Sam. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Right now, panel, it's time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Demi, some chlamydia news. That's not just a phrase you never want to hear your doctor say. Uh, The New York Times reports that an outbreak of the STD among whom might hold the key to creating a vaccine. Jersey Shore contestants. No, they're beyond our help. An outbreak of chlamydia amongst koalas? Yes! Yes, Demi. What? Koalas. He knew... I hang with koalas. They're freaks. They're freaks. They're nuts. In an article that contains the sentences, quote, oysters get herpes, rabbits get syphilis, and dolphins get genital warts, and the phrase, quote, chlamydia connects us all. The Times reports that studying chlamydia in koalas could help find a vaccine for humans. Scientists say chlamydia is common among koalas due to their genetic makeup and slutty personalities. (laughs) I want to know who the hell's worried about chlamydia right now? Have they heard? We've got a Wallace. bigger problem going on. Well, but this is in Australia. They're doing the research in Australia where they've more or less handled it. So, of course, they can move on to happier topics like koala chlamydia, which, by the way, sounds like the beginning of a spell from Harry Potter. Koala chlamydia! <laughs> by the way, in Australia, researchers rely on the U.S. for chlamydia data because, quote, America is the great center for chlamydia, unquote. We are the greatest. Once more, we are great again. America <laughs> yeah. first in chlamydia. <laughs> Coming up, our panelists 
teach Shamu some new tricks in our Bluff the Listener game. Call one triple eight wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more Wait Wait Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. From Miss Anne to Becky to Karen. Our very own Karen. Not that Karen. Karen Grigsby-Bates shares the evolution of the nickname for a certain kind of white woman. I'm looking forward to the next iteration. I want my name back. That's coming up on NPR's Code Switch. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Demi Adigiwebe, Amy Dickinson, and Alonzo Bowden. And here again is your host, a man who just swallowed one of his puzzle pieces just to keep it interesting. Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Right now, it's time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play our game on the air. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Anthony Hashef calling from Lake Almanor, California. Where is that? Lake, Lake Almanor? Almanor, yes. It's in the Lassen National Forest in Northern California, even more north than the Bay Area. Oh, wow. That's a beautiful place to be. What are you doing there? Hiding from the feds? Uh, more or less. Uh, I'm with my family, so it's about the same. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. And how's your pandemic been going? How's your uh, quarantine? Uh, it's been going well. Been reading a bunch, staying busy. So, no complaints. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Well, welcome to the show, Anthony. You're going to play the game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what's the topic? This is the dawning of the age of aquariums. Aquariums, a time-honored attraction where you can look at fish you don't have to eventually flush down the toilet. This week, our panelists will tell you about an exciting new update coming to an aquarium near you. Pick the one who's telling the truth, and you'll win the wait waiter of your choice on your voicemail. You ready to play? Yes, I am. All right. First, let's hear from Demi Adigiwebe. Well, if you ever wanted to be part of the Pittsburgh Penguins but didn't have the knack for ice hockey, here's your chance. An aquarium in Pennsylvania is giving patrons the once-in-a-lifetime chance to eat, sleep, and live like a penguin for a week in one of their penguin enclosures. For the tidy sum of $25,000, which is about three buckets of mackerel on the penguin exchange, guests will receive lessons on how to maximize their week-long adventure. These lessons include learning their daily schedule, learning how to communicate with other penguins, and learning how to tell them, I'm actually seeing somebody right now, when their mating rituals begin. <laughs> Customers of the Penguin Encounter Experience will be asked to suit up in custom penguin wetsuits that will allow them to blend in more easily, though guests are welcome to simply bring their own tuxedos from home. From then, the week will start with them watching various films that properly highlight the penguin life, including Mr. Popper's Penguins, Happy Feet, and Batman Returns starring Danny DeVito. Guests won't be leaving empty-handed, though. At the end of the week, every visitor is given a video montage of their experiences that week, narrated by none other than, you guessed it, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> a program at a Pennsylvania aquarium where you get to go and be a penguin. They seemed like they'd have a lot of fun. Your next story of a splashy new trend comes from Amy Dickinson. People love dolphin encounters. They love to swim with them, pet them, and play with them in the water. You know who hates it, though? Dolphins. Enter the robot dolphin. 
A San Francisco developer has made a robot dolphin that can swim underwater exactly like an actual dolphin does, except that this dolphin doesn't eat, poop, or attack its handler in a fit of rage. The robot dolphin is so lifelike that it would easily fool a typical guest at SeaWorld. But then again, a robot version of Dolph Lundgren might fool the typical guest at SeaWorld. These robot dolphins can swim up to 10 hours on a single charge and are operated remotely by a person. The company's representative, Lee Wang, said, We believe that it's time to reimagine this industry and that this approach can be more humane and more profitable at the same time. And all the dolphins currently swimming free responded, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Was that a real dolphin or was it Memorex? That was amazing. <laughs> Robot dolphins for you to encounter with instead of annoying real ones. Your last story of cutting edge aquatics comes from Alonzo Bowden. Our nation has two problems. People are incredibly stressed and upset and aquariums are all bleeding money without paying customers. Dr. William Tavern has solved both problems with his new program, Aquarium Rehab. Based at the Monterey Bay Aquarium, Dr. Tavern says the sea life on display helps patients put their lives in perspective, or it will after 30 days of living at the otherwise empty aquarium. There's no better way to learn calm in a stressful situation than swimming in a shark tank, said patient Tommy G. I worked in the finance industry and the stress drove me crazy. Then I swam with real sharks. Suddenly variations in the NASDAQ weren't scary at all. Another patient, Liz L., found calm in watching schools of fish swim. I was a party girl, she says. Now I'm married and living in suburbia. I was thinking how boring it always is, stuck at home, so I started drinking again. But then I spent a month just watching a school of fish swimming as a group. Yeah, I watched one of the fish leave the group. Wow, look at me! And then he was eaten. Now I'm the most energized, happiest mom in the PTA. That could also be because I'm the only one there, not on Xanax. (laughs) Dr. Tavern has had a pretty low relapse rate and is trying to expand to other aquariums. He says, quote, most patients do a pretty good job in the real world, although I do have a problem with Tommy coming back again and again. Not because he's drinking. No, he's now addicted to swimming with sharks. All right. One of these things is something that you might be able to find quite soon at an aquarium. Is it from Demi, an aquarium in Pennsylvania that lets you pretend to be a penguin, including your own little documentary narrated by Morgan Freeman, from Amy Dickinson robot dolphins that you can actually swim with that allow you to encounter a dolphin without bothering an actual dolphin, or from Alonzo Bowden, a therapy for rehab in an aquarium based on just spending a lot of time with fish. Which of these is the real story of an aquarium attraction in the news? This is a tough one, but I'm going to have to go with uh, the robotic dolphins. You're going to choose Amy's story of the robotic dolphins. Yes. To bring you the correct answer, we don't have a dolphin, but we do have someone involved in the real story. This animatronic dolphin concept would essentially be big, giant swimming puppets. That was Roger Holzberg, who's the lead experience designer at Edge Innovations, the company behind 
the new robot dolphins. Congratulations, you got it right. You earned a point for Amy Dickinson. You won our prize, the voice of your choice in your voicemail. Everything is basically going great. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for playing, and stay safe. Good for you, Anthony. All right, you guys take care now. Bye-bye. And now the game where people who know an awful lot get quizzed about the one thing they forgot to learn. Maria Konnikova had never played a single hand of poker when she decided to go win a professional poker championship. Now that in and of itself is not weird. For example, I recently decided I would like to win best in show at Westminster. What (laughs) is odd is that Maria actually did it. And she wrote all about it in her new book, The Biggest Bluff, Maria Konnikova. Welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you so much for having me. It's an it is such a pleasure. pleasure to talk to you. I, I, I'm, I'm an enthusiastic, if poor poker player, and I basically could ask you just for tips this entire time, but I will refrain. Where do we find you today? Where are you? Um, I am currently in a studio Airbnb apartment in lovely New Jersey. Thank God for New Jersey. I never thought I would say that, but I'm so and, glad and, it exists because I can play online poker here. It's the World Series of Poker online right now because the live version is not able to take place. You write about this in your book. When you decided to learn poker, you had to do a number of things, but the one thing you had to do was to get up in your home in New York, take the PATH train to New Jersey, and play in New Jersey because online poker is illegal in New York. This is correct. And this is something that I have had to do multiple times when I've wanted to play online. And it's very bizarre because all I have to do is literally cross a river and something that's illegal becomes legal. You're better off just going to New Jersey. How many times has that been said by so many people over the years? (laughs) Um, What I said is, having read your book, is my understanding is it's true that you you didn't even know what poker was or how to play. But you just decided, I'm going to go learn to play poker well enough that I can play in the World Championship of Poker, the big event on the poker circuit. So the first thing you did was you approached an extremely successful and well-known professional poker player named Eric Seidel. And you convinced him, this guy who certainly doesn't need any money or attention or anything, to teach you, an utter novice, how to play championship-level poker. How did you do that? And would it work for me? (laughs) Yes, is the answer. It's the short answer. It would absolutely work for you. Um, No, I actually, I didn't know what I was getting into. I had done my homework in the sense that I figured out that he's one of the best players in the world, but I didn't know that he'd never taken a student before, for instance. So I didn't know how scared I was supposed to be. I just kind of took a flyer on it because I'm a journalist and that's what I usually do. I approach people who are much smarter than I am or much more accomplished and who know a lot more. And I say, hey, can you help me? I'm writing a story. And that's actually what I did here. I said, hey, you know, I'm a writer for The New Yorker. Um, I'm working on a new project. I didn't say it was for The New Yorker because it wasn't. Um, And I thought that maybe you'd be interested in it. Obviously, the story of how he taught you to play and and, and what you learned about poker in life is all in your book. But uh, you got pretty good at it. And And, and very unexpected. And at the beginning, actually, Eric told me, we have no idea if you're going to be good or not. This book would have happened no matter what. Even if I had sucked, um, I would have written a book, but it would have been a very different book. A very different book. And and since I am a, a frustratingly poor poker player, what is it that you think made you a good one, other than your obviously intelligence and willingness to study? Because, I mean, there's you got to have some edge. What do you think makes you a, a good poker player? I think it was a combination of factors. Um, one, We've already talked about luck, but I don't think you can underestimate 
what it means to have access to the best brains in the poker world, to be able to you know, call the number one player in any given thing and ask them a question is a huge benefit that most people don't have. So I don't understate that. I worked incredibly hard. So I decided I left the New Yorker. I'm going to do this full time because I really want to learn the game. So seven days a week, eight, nine, 10 hours a day, I was living and breathing poker. I was playing or studying or reviewing hands or doing this or doing that. So I really took it as a full-time job. But honestly, at the end of the day, I also just got so damn lucky. Um, and I just want to both begin and end with that because if I'd come in second, I'd have a very different story. No one cares about the second place finisher. Or That's just not speaking. what my mom said. <laughs> <laughs> so were you really good at games as a child? Like, did you have any idea that you might be able to become a really hyper competent player? That is such an excellent question. And the answer is I played no games as a child. I grew up in a no game household. Um, I did play chess for about one week because I'm a Russian Jew. Um, and so my parents decided, good idea, we'll sign you up for a chess club because that's a, that's a great thing. So I went to my chess club um, for a week and then I played one game of chess. I was paired up with a kindergartner who was five years old and he beat me within three moves. And that was the last time I ever played chess. <laughs> and and somehow you lost $3,000. I don't know how you managed that. You do, tell, you do tell a great story where you tell your very nice Jewish grandmother how you're going to quit your nice job at the New Yorker and go be a poker player. And she was not thrilled. No, she was not thrilled. Um, however, I will report back that she's read the book and she didn't realize she was going to be a character in it, but she's taken it in stride. She's now 95 years old. She still does not like that I took up poker, but she was very proud to be a character in the book and she, I think she enjoyed the book. Maria, so, didn't, didn't you win some outrageous amount of money? In, like, <laughs> how, tell us how much you won. Um, so in about two years, um, I won a little over $300,000. Okay. That will do a lot for your confidence. Yes. Am I right? <laughs> well, you've also got a successful book now. I hope it's successful. Are you ever going to go back to like journalism full time or now are you on the poker circuit? Are no, you, uh... absolutely. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a writer. Um, that's what I love. That's what I will always be. Do you, have um, you ever made $300,000 in two years writing? No, but, <laughs> but hey, um, there are always goals and aspirations. But who says that I have to stop playing poker? I mean, I can write Not and me. play poker. Those two things are very compatible. Well, Maria Konnikova, it is an absolute pleasure to talk to you, but we have invited you here to play our game, which we call... You've got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Oh, God, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Bill's boy. been waiting for that. He really has. <laughs> so we were wondering, you're a poker player, but what do you know about the gambler? That would be Kenny Rogers. Get two out of three questions right about the legendary singer, and you'll win our prize for one of our listeners, the voice of anyone they might choose in their voicemail. Bill, who is Maria Konnikova playing for? Jack Cardigan of Detroit, Michigan. All right. You ready to do this? I am. I know nothing about our gambler except for the lyrics to his song, so this will be interesting. All right. I, I, I like to do this when I'm talking to people who compete in other things. Do you have any uh, rituals you go through before you play poker? I have a day of big tournament ritual where I always do yoga in the morning. I have a meditation session um, and try to eat a nice breakfast. And That's just just like it was in the Old West. I remember that gambler <laughs> in the movie Stagecoach in the scene where he gets up and does yoga and yoga. has a healthy breakfast before he climbs <laughs> well, under the riverboat. Well, that's where I got it. So, so well <laughs> it makes sense. Okay. 
All right. Well, let's assume you've done that. Here's your first question. Now, the song The Gambler was perhaps, well, definitely the biggest hit for Kenny Rogers, became his trademark song. It was so popular, in fact, that which of these happened? A, flocks of starlings around Charlotte and Nashville adopted its melody as their mating call. B, the gambling capital of Macau adopted it as its official national anthem. Or C, a hedge fund manager once paid Rogers $4 million to come to his birthday party and sing it as many times as the guy demanded. I'm going to go for C because hedge fund guys can be crazy. Yes. Rogers quit and refused to sing it after the 12th time. Oh. And the hedge fund manager later went to jail for fraud. Oh, interesting. All right. Second question, you got one right. Like many of the characters in his songs, Mr. Rogers had a tumultuous life, being married five times. But he always said he eventually found peace and tranquility through what? A, spending time with his pet goat, Smitty. B, contradancing. Or C, he's not exactly sure what it is, but since his pal Willie Nelson gave it to him, it can't be bad for him, right? (laughs) I... You know, I, I really want to imagine him with Smitty, so even though I don't think that's the right answer, I'm going to go with A. You're just going to commit yourself to that choice and present it as, with confidence. Make the big bet. Come on, make the <laughs> bet. She's all in on Smitty. And she won because it was, in fact, his goat Smitty, which he kept oh, on his God. farm in Georgia. Man. Seriously? Oh, my God. Seriously. That innocent winner routine you just pulled must kill them at the table after you've wiped them out of their money, you just look so shocked. Oh, my God, I won. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question. While Kenny Rogers is a legendary musician, he did not receive equal acclaim for his acting. How did reviews describe his lead performance in the 1982 film Six Pack? A, quote, he acts like a recent graduate of the Smokey the Bear school of acting. <laughs> B, quote, his emoting seems limited to inhaling and exhaling. Or C, quote, he tends to overdo even the simplest gestures, stirring a bowl of chili as if he were rowing a boat. Oh, my God. I, I'm going with C because what a quote. I, it's I a want great that quote. quote to, I want that quote to exist. Yes, so that we're... was from the New York Times. The other two, which are also real, are from the Washington Post. So they were all actual descriptions wow. of his acting. Wow. Bill, how did Maria Konnikova do in our quiz? I think she did rather well. I would call it a royal flush. (laughs) Three right answers. Maria, you are really impressive. Maria Konnikova is a psychologist and now a professional poker player. Her new book, The Biggest Bluff, is available right now. Maria Konnikova, thank you so much for joining us on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. What a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy. Bye-bye. In just a minute, Bill gets wrecked in Reykjavik. It's our listener limerick challenge. Call one wait wait to join us on the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message comes from Front Door. We all have that endless home to-do list. Repair the leaky dishwasher, fix the fridge, get the faucet to stop dripping. Get it all done with Front Door, the one-stop home repair and maintenance app. With Front Door, you can video chat with home repair experts, diagnose the problem faster, and cross off that to-do list. Now, when your home needs fixing or maintenance, just open the Front Door. Download and get unlimited video chats with an expert for just $25 a year. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu with Black Twitter, a people's history from Onyx Collective and Hulu. 
Directed by Prentice Penny, Black Twitter, A People's History, tells the story of how Black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, A People's History, premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu. What do you do when you have too many pickles in Alaska and not enough pancake syrup in New Jersey? On the next episode of Planet Money's Summer School, we send supply and demand to the rescue. It's the economics education you always wanted but never got around to. Every Wednesday, listen now to Planet Money from NPR. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Amy Dickinson, Alonzo Bowden, and Demi Adigiwebay. And here again is your host, a man who just managed to water his office plants through Zoom, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute, Bill goes for a joyride in his Lamborghini. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one triple eight wait wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Right now, panel, it's time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Amy, according to the Washington Post, in addition to everything else the pandemic has taken from us, we are probably going to permanently lose America's beloved what? Um, the Star Spangled Banner. No. no. I'll give you a hint. We're going to, you know, it's one of the few places you can get roast beef or chicken wings or butterscotch pudding and melon balls all together. Oh, oh, like a, not a salad bar, but a buffet. A buffet, yes. We a are buffet. losing our buffets. Someday you'll be telling your grandkids what it was like to compose the perfect lunch. One heap of lo mein, another of croutons, all topped with Russian dressing. But <laughs> buffets, of course, are pretty much a Petri dish. Here, have a heaping plate of food a thousand other people just breathed on. Sure, some kid put his finger into the mac and cheese half an hour ago, but what you don't know won't kill you. Oh, wait. Yes, it will. Is that a rule like Hometown Buffet and Golden Corral? Are they going to have to close? Because if you think Oklahoma and Alabama were mad about the mask thing, (laughs) you you start shutting down the buffets, there's going to be trouble. I think it's going to be like the Prohibition era again. They're going to be underground Ponderosas popping up. You mean they'll, be, they'll be like speakeasies. You knock yeah. on the door and they let you in, and they exactly. You do the secret knock, the... and they're like, "All right, stakes in the back." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Alonzo, across the country, young people are being criticized for not wearing masks. But the New York Post reports that some teenagers in various places are enthusiastically putting on masks just so they can do what? Uh, rob, rob banks? <laughs> no, not in the tradition. In the using the traditional sense, I guess. Can you give me a hint? Yeah, they're also wearing gloves, gray wigs, and cardigans in case it's chilly in the beer aisle. So they can pretend to be old people and get drinks or whatever? That's right. So they can dress up as old people and buy liquor. Some kids have realized with their faces already covered, it's it's easy to just go on to disguise themselves as an older person to buy booze without getting carded. It's amazing. Masks can prevent you from getting coronavirus, but can get you corona light. <laughs> yeah, I love that level of ingenuity. And not taking a chance of, I'm pretending to be a 23-year-old. No, I'm going to go for a senior citizen because exactly. who's going to question grandma? Absolutely. We know about this in the same way we know about anything that teenagers are up to. The only way we know is they put it on TikTok. Uh, one person, one girl put on her mask and then like this uh, Halloween mask and glasses and a headscarf to look old enough to successfully buy Mike's Hard Lemonade at a 7-Eleven. 
Here's a tip, though, for the cashiers of America. If there's an 80-year-old woman buying cans of Mike's Hard Lemonade, it's totally a teenager in disguise. Or maybe she was just really cool. <laughs> I think for one of those teenagers to be really convincing, you do have to have butterscotch candies in your pocketbook. Absolutely. That's but that's what would give them away. They'd have, like, Apple Pay or something <laughs> like that. that you have would to be write a first... check. They, they need off. to write a check. They need to start <laughs> writing a check. <laughs> Demi, a scientist in North Carolina has just completed a study based on 39 years of data, and we finally know that 83, 83 is the maximum number of what? Uh, clowns in a clown car. No, although you're kind of close. It's that kind of human achievement. I'll oh, give you a hint. Before this secret was only known to eating champion Joey Chestnut. Uh, hot dogs that can be eaten in an hour? Exactly. That is the maximum what? number of hot dogs a human can eat in 10 minutes. It's 83. They I used, don't know. Give me a shot. Give me a shot. They used 39 years of data from the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, including some wins by Joey Chestnut. And Dr. James Smoliga has determined that the absolute max number of hot dogs you can eat in 10 minutes is 83. So don't put more than 83 on your plate. You can always get seconds if you eat them. <laughs> I simply don't believe that. I think that that gauntlet has now been thrown and that one of these hot dog eaters is living to eat 84. There's somebody right now training during the quarantine. When Coney Island reopens, he's going to be there with 84 hot dogs and a 10-minute timer. It's like it's the same I, thing that got us to the moon. Right. The train, <laughs> in, in the eventual movie about this guy, the training montage is going to be absolutely disgusting. I think uh, we just figured out the next thing for Maria to do. That should be her there next There you are, competitive eating. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Or click the contact us link on our website, waitwait.npr.org. And if you want more wait, wait in your week, well, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. On Instagram, we're at waitwaitnpr. And check out the wait, wait quiz for your smart speaker. It's out every Wednesday with me and Bill asking you questions. It's just like this radio show, only needier. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Oh, hi. Uh, I'm Alice Carley, and I'm calling from Rochester, New York. Beautiful Rochester, where we have been with the show, though not for a few years. What do you do there? I am the conservator at Sibley Music Library at the Eastman School of Music. Oh, so you physically conserve the scores, the actual paper. Yep. And has this has 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 music not moved to like iPads and such like everything else has? People aren't putting iPads <laughs> in their piano stands and flicking the pages that way. Well, yeah, I I think basically there's nothing like having a score that you know isn't going to suddenly wink out because the battery failed or something. No, it's it's much better to have a score that you can that might at any time just float softly and gently to the floor. <laughs> Yes, I've seen that too. Well, welcome to the show, Alice. Bill Curtis is going to read you three news-related limericks with a last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly into the limericks, will be a winner. Here is your first limerick. The TV soap I'm on just began again. But with COVID, close contact lets panic in. Our solution is punny. With Kiss Me, You Dummy, on set... I make out with a... Oh, Lord, a mannequin. A mannequin, yes, very right. good. 
The soap opera The Bold and the Beautiful has resumed filming, and in order to keep everybody safe and healthy, actors are making out with mannequins. Love scenes are filmed from a distance or at angles to disguise the fact that one character is enamored and the other is inanimate. They're also helping the illusion by dubbing in dialogue for the mannequin, like, oh, Wyatt, I love it when you pick up my arm and make me stroke your hair. (laughs) Wait a minute. So you have one actor on set, and this poor schlub has to make out with a mannequin? Yeah, presumably the way they do it is they'll have two characters who are about to make out, and they're talking, and then the director calls cut, and they take out one of the actors, and they put in the mannequin. In kind oh, of like yeah. a, a stunt kisser. You so know, I've safety, had worse I mean. dates, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I set you up on one once. I'm just thinking the day that the prop guy had to go out. I need 28 love mannequins, but, uh, you know, they're not for me. No. They're no, not. I mean, I'm not. I I'm was just, never. I'm getting them for a friend. He was too embarrassed. All right, Alice, here is your next limerick. I feel trapped in a really bad dream. Like my head's fit to burst at the seams, I will shout my frustrations to Nordic locations. In Iceland, they'll broadcast my... Screams. Yes, Yes, screams. Very good. Iceland understands that you might be feeling a little tense right now, so they've set up a website where you can record yourself screaming. The scream will then be released out into the wild over a speaker set up in a beautiful and unpopulated area of Iceland before being then incorporated into Bjork's next album. (laughs) You'll receive a video of your pent-up frustration at never being able to leave your house being broadcast on a gorgeous black sand beach or at the beautiful Skogafoss waterfall or my personal favorite atop the breathtaking Snæfellsjökull Glacier. Seriously, you've never seen the Snæfellsjökull Glacier? Get yourself over to Snæfellsjökull as soon as you can. Is explained by the promote Iceland tourism director Sigurdur Dog Goodman's daughter. Quote, I love the Sneffelskuldjul Gaze Glade. <laughs> Almost made it. All right. Here is your last limerick. Our Burger King beef just got classy. Our cow's diet is quite lemon grassy. They don't gulp and slurp, so they won't fart or burp. Our cows are now one third less gassy. Yes, very good, Alice. Hoping to do their part to help combat climate change. Remember that? Burger King announced a new (laughs) Whopper made from cows who burp and fart less, meaning they emit less methane. That's a gas that contributes to global warming and global smelling. They achieved this feat by introducing lemongrass into the cows' diets and sending them to Miss Porter's finishing school for cows. (laughs) This has to be the worst intern job ever. Yes, you must measure the cow farts to prove... They are farting less than the old cows did. (laughs) Jeez. It's great news for Burger King. It's great news for the environment. It's even better news for cows as it leads to a dramatic reduction of Grandpa's pull-my-hoof jokes at Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Bill, how did Alice do in our quiz? She did very, very well. Three down. Congratulations, Alice. Congratulations, Alice. And thanks for conserving all that music. Thanks. We'll see you the next time we come through Rochester. All right. Take care. And thanks a lot, Alice. Yep, thanks. Bye-bye. This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, one of the largest recipients of NIH funding. Dana-Farber scientists played a substantial role in developing more than half the cancer drugs approved by the FDA in the last five years, data through 2022. They've made one advanced cancer discovery after another for over 75 years. Dana-Farber Cancer Institute is changing lives everywhere. 
More at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as they can. Each correct answer now worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? Sure can. Amy has two, Debbie has three, and Alonzo has three. Okay, Amy, that means you're up first. Fill in the blank. On Wednesday, blank cases in the U.S. surpassed 3.5 million. COVID. Right. On Monday, former Attorney General Blank lost his GOP Senate runoff in Alabama. Oh, oh, um, Jeff Sessions. Right. This week, the governor of Georgia banned local governments from requiring residents to wear blanks. Masks. Yes, because that makes sense. On Wednesday, the family of Blank filed a civil suit against the city of Minneapolis. George Floyd. Right. San Francisco has introduced a new ordinance to ban racist 911 calls called the Blank Act. Karen. Yes, the Karen Act. On Thursday, rapper Blank denied reports that he had suspended his presidential campaign. Kanye. Yes. On Monday, Washington, D.C.'s Blank team announced their decision to retire their name and logo. Their football team. Yes. This week, a family in England was surprised when they uncovered a secret hole in their house and discovered it was filled with blank. Uh, unexploded World War II munition, m- munitions. That's no. what you might expect, but in a big surprise, the secret hole was filled with all the toiletries they'd lost over the last 40 years. The family was excited to find a hole in the back of their medicine cabinet in their bathroom, and they were thrilled to find that it was filled with gold bond medicated powder from 1986. It was basically a time capsule filled with all the lotion and salves they had lost over the years, like if Lucy went to the wardrobe, but instead of Nernia, she ended up in the eczema aisle at Walgreens. <laughs> okay. Bill, how did Amy do? Amy had seven right for 14 more points. She now has 16, and that's the lead. All right. I'm going to arbitrarily choose Demi to go next. Here we go, Demi. You're up next, fill in the blank. On Tuesday, ICE rescinded their plans to strip international students of their blanks. Visas. Right. According to health officials, Miami, Florida has now become a blank epicenter. Uh, COVID. Right. On Wednesday, the City Council of Asheville, North Carolina, approved a resolution to offer black residents blank. Reparations. Yes. According to a new study, adoption rates of Great Danes have dropped significantly because people no longer blank. Watch Scooby-Doo. Exactly right. This week, Walmart announced it would require all customers to blank. Wear masks. Right. According to a new report, 1.3 million people filed blank claims last week. Unemployment. Right. Following a week in isolation after testing positive for COVID, Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro went for a walk outside and was promptly blanked. Attacked? No, he was bitten by an emu. (laughs) Jair Bolsonaro, the man who really puts the dick in dictator... Emerged from isolation for a walk around his estate while trying to feed a pack of emus. I guess he has a pack of emus. One of the giant birds took a bite out of his hand. Bolsonaro said he's fine while the emu will never, ever stop brushing its teeth. Those damn Antifa emus. I know. Bill, how did Demi do on our quiz? Demi had six right for 12 more points. He now has 15 points, but Amy still has the lead with 16. All right. So how many then does Alonzo need to win? Alonzo needs seven to win. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot. Congratulations, Amy. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) All right. Here we go, Alonzo. This is for the game. On Tuesday, Joe Biden unveiled a $2 trillion plan to combat blank. Coronavirus? No, climate change. On Wednesday, the president's lawyers resumed efforts to block access to his blank. Tax returns. Right. Financial records. This week, Governor Kevin Stitt of blank became the nation's first governor to test positive for coronavirus. Uh, Oklahoma? Right. This week, police raided a giant quarantine-breaking party in Melbourne. 
after being tipped off that someone had blanked. Got sick? No, place a delivery order for 20 people at a local KFC. <laughs> On Tuesday, Ghislaine Maxwell, a very close associate of Blank, was denied bail for her upcoming trial. Oh, Epstein. Right. An Ontario man says he'll do a better job cleaning up the kitchen after security cameras caught Blank eating his leftovers. Mice? No, a giant bear eating his old pizza. <laughs> the man's security footage showed the bear opening his unlocked front door, strolling into the house, knocking three pizza boxes off the counter, and then just enjoying himself. When the bear is done, he turns around and calmly walks out the front door. The man says that he'll be locking the door from now on, and this is the last time he orders fresh salmon and honey pizza. <laughs> Bill, did Alonzo do well enough to win? Well, he had three right for six more points. He now has nine. That means Amy with 16 points is this week's champion. Congratulations. Do do I get a point for predicting Amy was going to win? (laughs) Half a point. (laughs) In just a minute, we're going to ask our panelists to predict after the big Twitter hack this week, what's the next thing scammers will force someone to tweet? But first. Let me tell you that Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions. Doug Berman, benevolent overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our house manager is Gianna Capadona. Our intern is Emma Day. Our web guru is Beth Novi. BJ Lederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dornboss, and Lillian King. Technical direction is from Lorna White. Peter Gwynn is our... Surprise! He's actually a cake, too! Our business and ops manager is Colin Miller. Our production manager is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillog. The executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Mike Margaret Danforth. Now, panel, what will scammers force someone to tweet? Amy Dickinson. I, Ivanka Trump, have never consumed a can of beans in my life. Demia Dijuibe. Scammers will be forcing millionaires to tweet earnest, unreserved apologies for their mistakes where they take accountability and suggest steps for improvement. I'm kidding. They're going to tweet Elon Musk's nudes. (laughs) (laughs) And Alonzo Bowden. They're going to tweet, subscribe to Quibi because no one is doing it. Well, if any of that happens, panel, we'll ask you about it. On Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Alonzo Bowden, Demi Adijuibe, and Amy Dickinson. Thanks for all of you for meeting us here every week. We're glad to know you're still with us and we'll still be with you. I'm Peter Sagal. We'll see you next week. This is NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. This is my voice. I can tell you a lot about me, and I'm not changing it for anyone. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of NPR episodes centered on Black experiences. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. 